Hello everybody, welcome back to Powerfully Love. Today we're going to be continuing on with our Gifted, Called, and Anointed series. And with this specific teaching, we're going to be talking about receiving the gifts. Now we've already sort of covered what the gifts are, or what the classes or categories of gifts, which we'll read 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6 to regain some understanding on that. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6 says there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Those diversities of gifts are what we will refer to as the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. This is what we will refer to in Ephesians 4 as the office gifts, the fivefold gifts, or the gifts of Christ. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And these will be referred to as the Romans 12 gifts, the gifts of God, or the other ministries, as we'll see later on. So each part of the Godhead themselves have a gift or a set of gifts that they give. And as we grow in Christ, we will get to be introduced to each set of these gifts. And it's not about the gifts, but it's about being introduced to that aspect of the Godhead. You have the Holy Spirit, you have the Spirit, uh, uh, God the Spirit, God the Son, and God the Father. And it's important to recognize how, upon salvation, how we get to be introduced to the Godhead. The scriptures tell us that we cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and revealing Christ. John 14, 6, John 17, 20 through 23, talk about these things to where the Holy Spirit is the witness. He's a witness of Jesus Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, we are not able to actually receive Jesus at all. John 16, 14 tells us again that he has come to reveal Jesus. Then uh, in that same chapter, just a couple of verses before, it says that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of sin. And the reason for the conviction of sin is to recognize the need for a Savior or to reach out for a Savior. Therefore, salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. This is such an important, just a doctrinal truth that needs to be understood, is that the Holy Spirit is the one who introduces you to Christ, who um, uh, convicts your heart to recognize the need for a Savior. And the reason that we say all this is because the Holy Spirit is the one that we first are introduced to in regards to the uh, Godhead, to the Trinity, to the Triune God. God the Spirit is the first part of Him that we are introduced to. Why? Because He is the one that was sent to take the place of Jesus on the earth. Jesus Himself said that, um, I go to the Father, but I will not leave you uh, orphans. I send a helper, I send a comforter to you, who is the Holy Spirit. So this Holy Spirit is the one that um, enables us to receive Christ. Holy Spirit is the first person of the Godhead that we meet by having faith in Jesus. We are experiencing the same person, we're experiencing God in His fullness, but it's His Spirit that we are introduced to first. Upon salvation, we will all be graced to experience the gifts of the Spirit. This is so important to understand that whichever part of the Godhead that we are introduced to, that part of the Godhead possesses at that moment every aspect of their gifts. Therefore, when we are saved, the Holy Spirit, in Romans 5, 5, says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, and He has shed the love of God abroad in our hearts. He has shed the love of God abroad in our hearts. And this is so vital to understand that the resurrection of your dead state, of your sinful nature, is uh, made alive, is resurrected by the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what the scriptures tell us. It's the plain truth. It's very, very clear in the word that that is how it took place. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. 
And this same Spirit that dwells in us is the same Spirit who possesses all the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, 8-10. Now because of this, we have to recognize that the gifts of the Spirit are for every believer. They are for every single believer. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we can also say that every person who names the name of Christ or who calls upon the name of the Lord to be saved can now function in the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts, we must remember, are for the body, and they are by the body of Christ. They're for the body, and they come by the body. As we'll continue to see, the gifts of the Spirit operate together to reveal Jesus further to the church. That is the reason for the gifts. We've already talked about this before. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are for the unity of the church. That's their main focus. That's their main purpose is that. So let's talk about this. How do we receive the gifts of the Spirit? The simplest way to put this is that we receive the gifts of the Spirit by communing with the Holy Spirit. By communing with the Holy Spirit. Now, I do want us to talk about this for a second because this uh, wording right here, communing with the Holy Spirit, I feel has taken on a wrong nature. It's taken on a wrong turn, if you will. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14 is the main place to where we get this uh, communing with the Holy Spirit. If you've never heard of it, this is um, we see it in ministries that um, healing ministries, especially to where you must um, commune with the Holy Spirit in the service. You must recognize, be aware of the Holy Spirit in order for Him to come in and do something. Now, let's sort of backtrack in general. And it's important to recognize that the Holy Spirit is not coming into the room every time that you invite Him. Okay. The truth is that the Holy Spirit is wherever you are as a believer. Amen. I'm not asking the Holy Spirit to come more if I already have Him. And God does not give Himself partially to you and I. He gives Himself completely and wholly to us. Amen. In regard, in, in response to us giving ourselves wholly and completely to Him. Amen. So when we pray things like, Come Holy Spirit, and I'm already saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm praying something that God cannot do. Amen. When nowhere in the scriptures do we actually see anybody praying for the Holy Spirit to come. Why? Because He has already came. He has already uh, filled you. He has already uh, made His dwelling place inside of you. Therefore, what needs to happen in order for this communing of the Holy Spirit to take place is that we must exalt the one who the Holy Spirit is seeking to exalt. So let's read our scripture first. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says that the grace of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The communion of the Holy Spirit happens as we exalt Christ, as we primarily exalt Jesus. The Holy Spirit does not anywhere, is never mentioned as being exalted. He is mentioned as being worshipped, but the exalting that the Holy Spirit seeks to do Remember the scriptures in John 16 and John 14. He has come as a witness of Jesus Christ to testify of Jesus and to teach us the ways of Christ. That's what he has come to do. Therefore, everything that the, uh, the Holy Spirit is concerned with is in regards to exalting Jesus, in exalting his commandments, in exalting his presence, in exalting him, his name, his power, his blood. Amen. That is what the Holy Spirit is seeking to do. He is looking to reveal Jesus, and therefore his gifts are going to do the exact same thing. The gifts of the Spirit are going to reveal Jesus. 
Well, when it comes to how do we receive the gifts of the Spirit, like we said, by communing with the Holy Spirit. And how do we commune with the Holy Spirit? We commune with the Holy Spirit by exalting Jesus, the one that He has come to testify of and uh, be a witness of in Jesus' name. Wherever Jesus is exalted in, in our individual lives, in our churches, wherever He is, Jesus is exalted, you can be guaranteed that the Holy Spirit will be there to help us and empower us to exalt Christ and also to teach us how to further exalt Christ. Now, since it's the first person of the Holy Spirit who comes to live in us upon salvation, according to Romans 8, 9 through 10, we must recognize that all the gifts of the Spirit are already within every single believer upon salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11 through 13, all talk about that we have all, we have one faith, one baptism, one God, and then it says we have all been made to drink of one Spirit. One Spirit. Amen. The same Spirit that is in you, and you have functioned in words of knowledge or words of wisdom or working of miracles, is the same Spirit that has worked in me to work in prophecy or this or that. It's important to recognize that the same Spirit that has worked in one is the same Spirit that will work in another. It's the one Holy Spirit seeking to reveal Jesus. That's it. That's it. It is through the revelation of the Spirit that we learn what is available to us in Christ. The gifts are manifested. The gifts of the Spirit are manifested as He wills for a moment. Or, as 1 Corinthians 12.31 tells us, to earnestly desire the better gifts. Paul would not tell us to earnestly desire the better gifts if there was not a way for us to, quote-unquote, influence the need for a gift or the revelation or the opportunity for the gift. And so we know that the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 12 that as the Spirit wills, the gifts will manifest. But also at the same time, we have a capacity of influence towards the working of the Holy Spirit towards the manifestations of the Spirit to be able to actually um, not influence the Holy Spirit into doing something, but to partner with Him further into seeing a manifestation of His happen. The nature of every new believer is designed to function first and foremost in the gifts of the Spirit. Like we said, and to, um, to experience belonging in the church even, to experience unity among the brethren, and to also learn how to be a blessing to the body of Christ. This is the, when it comes to the gifts and calls of God, the gifts of the Spirit are the primary first place of every newborn believer that they can function in these. Amen. That should be, be such a relief. It should bring such a hope of recognizing that I can actually do something with Holy Spirit right now. I can actually partner with the Holy Spirit right now to bring a manifestation, to bring a miracle, to bring a healing, to bring a word, to prophesy, to act, to do something for the glory of God. Amen. The resurrection of our inner man is given the ability, or better yet, the grace to function in the gifts that are partnered with our spirit man. The gifts of the Spirit come from within you and I in our reborn nature as our reborn nature communes with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of every single one of us upon salvation. You cannot be reborn, you cannot be resurrected from your dead, sinful, fallen nature without the Holy Spirit. And not just that He does it, He doesn't do it on the outside, He does it on the inside. It says that He resurrects our inner man. Our inner man is renewed day by day through that communing of the Holy Spirit. You can be guaranteed that if you have received Jesus, you have received His Spirit. And if you have received His Spirit, you have received the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Now, as we continue on 
in our uh, progression, in our maturity, in our growing in faith, in our growing towards the Father, we'll begin to be um, going through this Christian life up to a point to where we begin being set or established, if you will, in a calling. Now, as we've already discussed to a degree, the call does not solely mean the office gifts of Ephesians 4, but the call does mean those are part of it. Like we said before, the call is whatever it is that God has told you specifically to do. Amen. Whatever he has told you specifically to do, that is your call. Now, that call may change, and we'll talk about that here in just a second. That call may change, or it may progress, or it may mature, but it's important to recognize that whatever it is that the Father has told you to do, that is your call at that moment, and that call will not change until you fulfill that call and further instruction comes from the Lord. Now, the Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4 gifts are what we call as the gifts of Christ, the fivefold office gifts, or just the office gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And not everyone is called into one of these offices. As Ephesians 4.11 says, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Oftentimes when people get saved, they will feel a call to quote-unquote preach. And try to take that call or that feeling as a signal from God to step into an office gift. They've heard that a pastor is is a uh, gift of God. It's a, a position of leadership. It's where you preach. It's the office that you preach or you teach from. And what that does is that minimizes what the Lord is actually calling you to do. Every single one of us are called to preach to some capacity. We're all called to preach Jesus, but not everyone is called into the fivefold office gifts. Look at Matthew 28, 19-10, and Mark 16, verse 15. Now you can look, go back and look at these, and these are what we consider the Great Commission, if you will. The Great Commission uh, simply reveals to us that we are all called to preach and teach if Jesus is who we believe in. All those who believe in my name shall do this and do that. And then James 3, verse 1, uh, uh, James writes and he says, Do not desire to be a teacher, to fill the office of a teacher, because teachers will receive stricter judgment. Now this is so important because what this does is this reveals to us a different degree of simply proclaiming Christ and actually laying out the principles of Christ or the doctrine of Christ or the, um, the laws of Christ, if you will. And so there's a difference between just being saved, preaching and teaching the gospel, and being called into an office of preaching or teaching the gospel. Amen. And so the call itself, like we said, the call is whatever God has uh, told you to do, but it is divinely ordained by God himself and established in us through the resurrection of Jesus by the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. God's will alone determines your call determines your ministry not your heart's desire a lot of times people try to twist the scripture that talks about that god will fulfill the desires of your heart when it comes to the call that is not in context with that whatsoever amen it is whatever he tells you to do why because he knows your future he knows your beginning and he knows your end he knows your insides he knows your outsides he knows you better than anybody else i mean he's the one that created you and formed you while you were still in your mother's womb actually the scripture says, yet, while you were still in your mother's womb, he formed you and he fashioned you in a specific way. Therefore, he's the one that knows what is the best calling, is the best job, is the best heavenly career for your life. Amen. And so it's important to recognize that when the call is um, given, 
or the uh, inclination is given or we feel that burden towards a specific calling or a specific area, when that comes or when we experience that on our end, we submit. Amen. We submit. Wherever there is a call, there must also be submission to that call. Amen. No matter what that call is, it's not about the title of the call. It's about the obedience and the submission to that call that determines the heavenly outcome. So the office gifts of Ephesians 4.11 are solely purposed to do uh, two different things. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to edify the body of Christ. The office gifts, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, are to the church. They are for the church, to equip the church for training purposes, they are for example purposes, and they are also for hope purposes. One cannot simply start trying to train people in the church if they have not been called to do so. You can't just walk up into a place one day and say, I'm the new leader. Amen. You can't just decide whether or not you are going to lead or you are going to influence to a certain the way that God wants you to. No, it is simply you submit to the call. Amen. Nobody else can do that for you. Nobody else can make that happen for you. But you must submit to the call. You cannot go to school to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You can't go to school to become one of the fivefold office gifts, but you can go to school to improve in what you have been called to do. Yeah, did you hear me on that one? You can go to school to improve in what you have already been called to do or that which you already know you were called to step into. Amen. Now, somebody may be called into the uh, apostleship, into the office of the apostle. Does as soon as they hear that the next day do they step into that apostleship? Absolutely not. There's not a single person in the scriptures, especially when it comes to the apostleship, to where they stepped into the, uh, being an apostle the next minute, the next day, the next month, the next year even. Every single person that was called as an apostle had years under their belt before they actually were stepped into the calling, into that call. And we'll talk about that some more later on of when the call actually happens. But the primary thing to recognize here is that we can't just pick up whichever thing we want to do, especially when it comes to the fivefold office gifts. I can't just wake up one day and decide that I think I want to be a prophet and expect God to make that happen. Amen? No, we listen, we obey, we submit to that call, and He will make sure to anoint us for that call. So upon salvation, we are graced with the gifts of the Spirit to bring unity and function together as a family in Christ, the gifts of the Spirit, as we function in the gifts of the Spirit of God, uh, He will begin to actually call, quote-unquote, call people out for their divine call. He begins placing us as He wills. There is and never should be a formula for receiving the fivefold office gifts of Ephesians 4. They are sovereignly appointed by God and humbly received by us. That is it. Amen. Oftentimes that's so hard to to just receive and accept as truth that it, God's sovereignty determines certain things, that it should be a most comforting thing to us, is that when we know that when we have heard God say something, we know that we have officially heard our divine destiny, our divine order, and we know that if we will obey what He has told us to do, that He will ensure that that walk and that talk and that power and that anointing will follow through and will be established in us and through us. Amen. So we cannot, we cannot make God make us at one of the fivefold office gifts. We are only told to pursue the better gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12.31. 
the gifts of the Spirit. We are never told to seek after, to pray for, to try to get the uh, fivefold office gifts of Ephesians 4. Now, as we fulfill the call that the Lord has initially told us to do, we will also continue to experience callings, if you will. Now, in Acts 13, 1 through 3, Acts 13, 1 through 3. It reads, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Siren, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. These prophets and teachers were fulfilling their calls already. They were already considered prophets and teachers. Then the Holy Spirit shows up and decides to further call out Paul and Barnabas for another work or for the actual work to which I've called them. Notice what the Holy Spirit says. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. And Barnabas and Saul are already um, joined in with the group of prophets and teachers in verse 1. And it says, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. This is so important and please remember this is that there is a difference between stepping into your calling and stepping into the work of your call. Amen. There is a difference between stepping into your calling and stepping into the work to which you have been called. Amen. You may have been called to be an apostle. You may have been called to be a prophet. But there will come a day to where you will have to obey the call or the work of that call. And God will set that up to where he will establish you in your call by the Holy Spirit calling you out for the work to which he has not only positioned you in, given you an identity in, but he will also give you a work to fulfill that call in as well. Amen. Now, Acts 12, verse 25, you can go back just to verse before Acts 13, and it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So simply what we see right here in just these four verses is a continuance of the call. They fulfilled their call. They fulfilled their their ministry in Acts 12, verse 25. And then they are lumped in some with prophets and teachers in Acts 13, 1. And then they are called even further for the work to which the Holy Spirit has called them to do. So we see sort of this continuance of calling, a continuance of calling. When Jesus told us to go, he did not just mean go one place or do one thing. He meant go until we reach heaven, pretty much. We are called to go. The assignments may change as we go also. Matthew 10, verse 10. You can look back at the disciples. There are multiple disciples, more than the twelve. But then out of this multiple um, of disciples that begin following Jesus, Jesus begins to call out twelve who follow him closely. Out of those twelve, there are three that uh, seem to be um, in the most uh, amazing situations, if you will. And then there's one that is considered the uh, apostle or the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so we see this continuance, a continuance of call. It's important that we recognize that we must not live our lives seeking the office gifts. So many people get caught up in seeking and even coming to a place of coveting, greedily coveting the gifts of of God, the gifts of Christ, the fivefold office gifts. And that's a dangerous place to be in. Instead, 
We should be doing what we are originally called to do, and as we do what we originally called to do, we will listen for further instructions and appointments, and we will obey those further instructions. Be trusted with the little so that God can give you more. Romans 11 verse 29 says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So it's important to recognize that since the gifts and callings of God are not linked with repentance, meaning that they are not given in accordance with how much we repent or even if we have repented, they are solely by God's sovereignty, we can never see the office gifts as gifts of status as gifts of prominence, as gifts of ranking, or anything like that whatsoever. The gifts of, of Christ, the fivefold office gifts, are on the same level as every single other gift. They are given by the Lord. Amen. Whether or not there is repentance involved does not determine the call upon your life. Amen. He formed you with a call in mind. Therefore, he cannot retract the call. Otherwise, he would have to retract you in general. Amen. You, you, we cannot earn these gifts. We can't seek after these gifts of Christ. We can't seek after the fivefold. And we cannot be trained into them. We can be trained um, further for them when we are called, but we cannot be trained into them. And we cannot be made one by another. Some prophet coming into town cannot set me and establish me as a pastor, a teacher, an apostle, a prophet themselves, or an evangelist. That's not how the, it functions. There is a, a, a way that Acts talks about multiple times about a joining, a unity, and agreement in accordance with what somebody is called to do. It's solely God's design and choice for you or I to be one of the office gifts. So how do we receive the office gifts? How do we receive the office gifts? It simply is by listening and obeying what God has already designed for you and being okay, being okay if he has not called you into the fivefold offices. Amen. When it comes to the fivefold office, we listen, we obey. If we have not heard that we are an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, does not mean that we are not called. It just means that we're called into something else. Does that make it less important? Absolutely not. Amen. The last set of gifts that we receive are the activities of God found in Romans 12, 6-8. These gifts are what we will simply refer to as the other ministries or the additional ministries. Now, just like with the gifts of the Spirit already being within, within you because the Holy Spirit dwells in you, we need, to we need to recognize that these gifts are also because it's the same God who lives all in all of us. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6, we read, And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Activities right here means to be at work, to put forth power, to show forth what one has wrought, the work that one has done. In other words, we can look at Romans 12, gifts of God, as the workings produced by grace in us and through us. Quote-unquote, other ministries. Ephesians 4 gifts and Romans 12 gifts are referred to as grace gifts. Yet we recognize and we see that 1 Corinthians 12 gifts of the Spirit are not mentioned as graces. They are called charisma, but they are not called graces, charis. Now, this is simply what this reveals to us is that there is a capacity to possess a gift versus a, the capacity to simply show forth the gift. The office gifts of Ephesians 4 come with an anointing. They come with a grace, as well as the Romans 12 gifts. But in the discourse of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we do not see the gifts of the Spirit being referenced as charis gifts, as favors, 
to us and for us. Why is this? Simply put, is that the gifts of the Spirit are not designed to give us an identity in Christ. The gifts of the Spirit are not designed to give us an identity in Christ. The gifts of Christ and the gifts of God of Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 are gifts that we can be identified after. But none of the gifts of the Spirit are we supposed to be identified after. Amen. Now, what this sort of helps us is that this helps us understand that because when we talked about the gifts of the Spirit, they are they are uh, typically um, seen as universal. Like we said, for every newborn believer, you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It is it is the the baby level, if you will, of functioning in the power of God or in the gifts and the callings is the gifts of the Spirit. Everyone can do them. Everyone can be used in them. Now, not everyone can be used in the Ephesians 4 gifts because he says, and he gave some, or the Romans 12 gifts. God determines those. He gives those as needed. And so what this helps us do is it helps us not identify with things that are, I hate to put it like this, but honestly with things that are lower than what our identity actually is. If I try to simply identify myself as a person that functions in words of knowledge, then I would stay functioning on a lower level than if I would obey the Lord and be set or established in a calling. Amen. No one in the scripture is is called into the office or the position of word of knowledger. <laughs> and a lot of times, even in the charisma and Pentecostal areas, we try to say, I'm a tongue talker, you know, I'm a I'm a, I'm a, a prophesier, I'm, I'm gifted in the prophetic. And all this, all that stuff is true, but it's not our identity. Amen. Your calling is your identity, and no one is is in Scripture called after the gifts of the Spirit of 1 Corinthians 12. We want to make sure that we are continuing on into the grace of God, that we are continuing on into our calling, not getting stuck on lesser things. Not that the gifts of the Spirit are lesser, but you understand what I'm saying, is that keeping our minds set on things that we're supposed to be going beyond or uh, be going through so that we can be established and set in place by the Lord as He pleases. The anointings of God, or the anointing of God, comes upon the gifts of the um, the gifts of Christ, the uh, office gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. The anointing comes upon whatever calling it is that the Lord has told you to do, and the anointing comes upon the Romans twelve gifts of God as well, the other ministries. But nowhere do we see the gifts of the Spirit needing an anointing. Now, as we'll talk about later on, the anointing is simply the Holy Spirit. So, therefore, there is an anointing, but it's important to recognize that the anointing simply empowers a call. It does not determine a call. Let me say that one more time. The anointing does not determine a call. It empowers a call. Amen? We cannot identify ourselves even after an anointing because there's only one. And we'll get into that some more later on. The gifts of the Spirit are more spontaneous in nature, while the other gifts are part of your actual new nature. Like we said, the Father has designed you with these callings in mind, with these gifts in mind, with these anointings in mind. And therefore, He wants to make sure that you get to see, that you get to experience, that you get to realize your call, your identity in Him and through Him. Now, with Romans 12, there are seven graces listed that reveal seven areas of further ministries provided by God. These are His gifts. These are God's gifts. As we experience the gifts of the Spirit, Jesus is further revealed, and we are further called out. When the Lord calls us out to lead, we get introduced to the nature of the Father and His gifts, the Romans 12 gifts. 
The gifts of Romans 12 are what the office gifts of Ephesians 4 equips the saints to do. Remember Ephesians 4 verse 12. The apostle, prophet, and he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And that is what Romans 12 is talking about, these other ministries. So therefore, the only way that we can function in a Romans 12 gift is to be equipped by a Ephesians 4 gift, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Only an established church can produce saints equipped to prophesy, minister, teach, exhort, give, lead, or show mercy, the gifts of Romans 12. Further ministries are released by the fivefold of Ephesians 4 verse 11. These gifts are received through the fivefold offices. Amen. In 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, I want us to look at this as we wrap up. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Peter right here, he's talking about the gifts. He's talking about gifts in general and callings in general. And he lumps them up into these two specific categories. So verse 10 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to where? One another. In the body of Christ. Amen. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter right here lumps all the callings, all the giftings into two categories, into two types of callings, if you will. There is a speaking call. These are gifts that simply rely upon what is spoken. And then there are ministering calls, or ministry is translated as serving in some other translations. So we're going to call these uh, serving calls. That's the second type of calling. And these are gifts that rely upon what is done. Therefore, there is a declaration type of call, and there is a doing type of call. And every single calling will fall under one of these two categories. Either you will be speaking for your call, or you will be acting for your call. Amen? All gifts and callings can be seen as one of these two types. Every believer should be functioning in at least one of the Romans 12 gifts, being active in the call in some type of service. No one is called to be a pew warmer, to be a back sitter, to, um, to do nothing in the body of Christ. Amen? Every single one of us have, given a, have been given an ability by God to do something for the glory of God. Amen? Oftentimes we think that we can just um, uh, sneak our way into heaven, that we can just sneak our way into the graces of God, sneak our way into favor, sneak our way into divine blessing and all this type of stuff. And the truth is you can't. Amen. The simple truth is you cannot do that. That nullifies grace. It nullifies faith. It causes faith to not even be recognized and to be completely void because you're not having any action and it reveals that you have no hope. Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith comes because there is a substance of hope. If you do not have a hope, you do not have faith. And if you don't have faith, you will not have any action in your life. Amen. So when we recognize how to receive these gifts, this helps us, one, it helps us to calm down in some regards. It helps us to calm down in whether or not we're seeking a gift off of greedily coveting a gift or desiring something that we're not supposed to be desiring. And so this helps us to sort of calm down a little bit to uh, stop in what we're doing sometimes. We must come to a place to where we actually stop, to where we reevaluate, to where we um, even, if you will, re-listen for what our call is, to ensure 
that we are doing what we are supposed to be doing. In fact, 1 Peter 5 verse 10 says this, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. That is such a straightforward promise that if you make sure of what your call is and you make sure that you obey that call to the fullest extent that you're able to by the grace of God, then you will never stumble. It's a straight, very straightforward scripture right there that Peter lays down. It says that if you make sure of your election and, and calling, that if you do these things, you'll never stumble. And so are you making sure that you're doing that? Have you made sure that your call is your call? Or is it actually just the call that you felt like was needed at the time? Or is the call that you felt like um, everybody else was doing so it would be easier for you to follow, follow through with that? Or is it the call that truly you heard the Father say, I need you to do this, or I've called you, I've fashioned you to do this or to do that for my kingdom so that you may bring the most glory to my name and for the glory of Jesus Christ? It's important to look back. It's important to evaluate. And it's important to make sure that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. Oftentimes when we are not fulfilling our call, everything will be going wrong. And it's not a test from God. It's because we were disobedient to begin with in fulfilling the call that He has told us to do. So make sure that we do that. Make sure that you reevaluate. Make sure that you are looking at, am I actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And when you take and you ask, ask that honest question, you are then able to look and say, how do I receive the call in which I'm supposed to be operating in. Amen. So I simply just want to leave you today with a prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person listening, Lord, that they will know their call. They will make their election and their call sure so that they can never stumble again, so that they can live a life full of the blessing of God, full of the prosperity of the Father, full of the power of God, and full of wonderful salvations, miracles, signs, and wonders in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that they would hear clearly and that they would know what their call is, that they would know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. And Father, we pray that if there is any coveting, if there is any coveting after a gift, that there would be repentance right now to say, Father, forgive me for looking at somebody else's gift and desiring and coveting and lusting after that gift more than just listening for your precious voice, for your powerful voice, and obeying the command that you have put towards me. Father, I bless them right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. And always remember, friends, that Jesus and God do powerfully love you. Be blessed in Jesus' name.